Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, Nuggets fans? Welcome to another episode of Full Court Press, part of the Denver Stiffs podcast channel on the SP Nation Network. I'm your host, Brendan Boat. And friends, I finally did it. I landed my white whale earlier this afternoon. I sat down with Katie Wingy of Altitude Sports. You probably know her by now, whether that's from TV, the radio, her sideline work. Um, yeah, just a rising star in the local market and someone I'm lucky enough to consider a friend. So uh, very dope of her to sit down and talk with me. We sort of did her origin story thing, going back to her college days, her playing days, uh, how she ended up here in Denver. And then we talked about some some sort of fun off-the-court stuff, how she kills time, um, how she sort of manages that work-life balance outside of work, and you know some of the difficulties that are presented now with being a part of the real NBA media life. She travels. That's a grueling sc- schedule. So we talked about that. And, of course, I had to get her thoughts on losing the media skills challenge to Harrison Wynn. She gets so mad at me when I bring that up, so I have to lead with it. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Katie's awesome, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here's the latest episode of Full Court Press with Katie Wingy. I've been trying to figure out how to introduce you here. I don't know what your title is. You know how many people have to ask me what my title is, which is a great thing. It's a good problem to have, I guess. Um, you have nine jobs. I do. <laughs> I do have nine jobs. Reporter, analyst, host for Altitude TV, specifically for the Denver Nuggets, is and, what I've been going with. And that includes radio work? Radio, too. So I guess I should include that okay, for Altitude. So, all right. So let, let, let's. So you do ho- like TV stuff in the studio. Yep. Have you done some sideline work this year as yes. well? Yes. You do some radio color work. Yes. Katie, you're a superstar. <laughs> I'm just versatile. I'm, yes. I'm a utility player, so what? I can be put into pretty much any situation and make it work. Do you have a, a favorite yet of those um, roles? I love that I get to do a little bit of everything, mm. and I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but it keeps things interesting. It challenges me. The only really complaint I have is because I change so often, it's hard for me to get into a rhythm yeah. with any of them or feel like I'm really getting good. This, I'm, I'm sorry if people can hear the squeaking table. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but no, it just, it's, I don't think I have a favorite because I really like just that I get to do everything. Right. Um, and this might come as kind of a surprise to people, but I think sideline reporting is probably the most challenging that I've had to do so far. Um, just because you have such a short amount of time to get in something that's worthy, a story that's worthy yeah, of being sure. told. And you're listening into huddles and you're taking bits and pieces of what they're talking about and you have to convey that in a way that is informative and entertaining and makes sense in about 20 seconds. Right, but also isn't so dumb that it like offends the player or the coach. Yeah, and I like. also can't like reveal too much because there's a certain level of trust there with me listening in. So... Um, that part of the sideline reporting is really fun, but it definitely has been, that's been challenging for me too, just because I love the X's and O's of the game so much. I want to be able to break it down, 
but I only have 20 seconds a hit basically. Right. So that's different when I'm doing color on the radio, you're just talking about what you see. And since I've been around the game for so long, that is a little bit easier for me. Once I do all my prep work beforehand of like who are playing styles of play, that sort of thing. And just like trends that have been happening lately with either team, it's just a matter of talking about what you're watching. And right. so that, that you can get into a little bit more of a rhythm with, um, and studio, I've only done analysts. I'm going to do some hosting here coming up too. But the studio analyst portion is is kind of similar to color. It's just um, in a more condensed and organized way, I guess, because it's not as the game is happening. You have some time to think about what you want to say and how you want to say it and kind of pick apart the the main storylines of what's going on. So there are definitely challenges to, to each of them. Um, but I, I love every bit of it. It's been such a fun process. You are kicking ass with it, for sure. <laughs> Thank Quickly you. turning into a fan that. favorite. Let's stick with the sideline thing. Because I was stalking your LinkedIn page this sure. morning. Okay. That is your background, no? Like, that's how you got started? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I did a little bit of everything in college. Um, Where'd you go? Illinois State. Mm -hmm. And then Northwestern for grad school. Um and it was interesting because when you're going through, like I double majored in, in undergrad. So I did marketing um, and that I kind of declared before I even got there. And I just was like, what do I know that I sort of like and I can be creative with? My mom has been in marketing forever. So, you know, you're like a young kid still. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, because I played basketball in college, I had to be there all, all year. Like we trained in the summertime. So and we were in class. It was like, well, I might as well double major because I'm going to be here anyway. Like, let's make it worth my time and worthwhile. So um, I kind of figured out that broadcasting was the track I wanted to do around sophomore year. So I double majored marketing, broadcast journalism. But when you start on a broadcast journalism track, at least in my program, it's very much like feature reporting. It's right. local TV based. And so that's kind of where I started was like telling stories of athletes in a longer form, like a two minute piece. And it was all like pre-produced and edited and I got to write it out and tell the story that way. Um, and then once I kind of started getting more opportunity, then it was like, okay, I'll do some analyst work on like big 10 student productions or ESPN three or whatever it might have been. Um, when I was playing in undergrad, obviously that wasn't an option, but uh, in grad school, I definitely did quite a bit of that. I did some color for volleyball. I did some color for men's and women's basketball. So there was a, a piece of me that was able to get my feet wet there. But I, f like feature reporting, quote unquote, is I guess where I kind of got my start. And then when I was in grad school, sideline reporting and hosting was the first regional network opportunity that I had. I covered the high school state tournaments in Illinois um, for both girls and boys. So that was, I was running all over the place for that because I was the hosting role. So I would open the show and set the stage and then I would run down and do the sideline reporting for the games. And in a high school tournament, you have a lot of games back to back to back. Like I had to know and cover eight teams for girls and eight teams for guys and different classes and all of that stuff. So it's so funny. The first real regional network opportunity I had was probably the most challenging yeah like that That's i don't know funny. if it's going to get any harder than that just as far as like preparation goes and teams that i had to know in cities from like southern illinois that no one knows how to pronounce their names or <laughs> like just random things so it was i really liked having to dive in head first right because from that point on i was like 
you know what? This is a breeze. I can handle whatever is thrown my way because I was able to handle that. 100%. I feel like yeah. that's the best way to learn anything, right? Yeah. You just get tossed into the deep end. Yeah. So you did, so like a, a couple of years there, so it was Big Ten, NBC Sports Chicago, you yep. just referenced Fox Sports. At what point are you, um, that Denver Nuggets in arena job you had last year? Yeah. Did they find you? Did you find them? I found them, and okay. it was, people are going to love this. It was a traditional job posting. Really? Like it was on the Denver Nuggets website. I knew during my last quarter of grad school, I'm like, I want to work in the NBA. Whatever that means, I'm going to try and make that happen. I was hoping for a team reporter job. Essentially, the job that I got was the type of job that I was hoping for. I knew that it would be really tough for me to get a regional sports reporting job right out of grad school. Right. So I was like, maybe a team will just hire me to do their digital or something along those lines. I scoured NBA teams websites I was on teamwork online I was on all those like traditional sports reporting job sites but I also went to every single NBA teams website every day like I blocked out an hour every single day just to see if there were any open jobs or anything that was related to being a team reporter or anything like that so I saw the Nuggets job and at first it was tough because I was like is this an in arena host position because right. that's not that was not really something that I wanted to do, and I wasn't really willing to move across the country for a, an in-arena hosting for job sure. where I was doing, like, the promo stuff when I had just gotten my master's in sports journalism <laughs> from Northwestern. <laughs> like, that wasn't really what I was hoping for um, as far as the next step in my career. Um, and so I was a little bit hesitant at first, and I had to, like, do quite a bit of research and figure out what it, what is this job. And it was, like, an in-arena reporter. And... I like saw the job description um, and it talked about courtside countdown. And so naturally, I mean, we're report like we're reporters. We're curious people. What do we do? We Google everything. <laughs> so I Googled the show name and That's I found the secret kids. Yes, Google. Google is the interwebs have all the answers. <laughs> um, I Googled the show and sure enough, Kiana and some of some of her shows were posted. And so I was like, I could totally do this. Like she probably has a lot of creative control over the show. Um, I think that that would be awesome for me to, to be able to choose what I want to talk about and choose the avenues of basketball that I want to share and explain. And so I was like pretty much all in at that point. Once I saw her do the show that was posted online, I was like, this could be really great for me. Um, so I applied and it was just totally a typical job application process. Huh. Like got my first call afterwards, talked with a couple of the people in game presentation um, they liked me enough to be like, okay, we'll, we'll bring you back for a second interview. Um, <laughs> and this interview process was the most terrifying interview process <laughs> I've ever been through in my life. And I've been through quite a few, How like was that? quite a few. Why was it so? Because it was over Skype. Like it was a Skype FaceTime interview. I was still back in Illinois at the time and they, when I say they, it was probably a group of seven pretty important Denver Nuggets organizational people sitting around a conference table in a conference room <laughs> with an iPad. And I'm on the other side of this, just sitting in like a cubby at Northwestern. And they, I'm not exaggerating, passed me around the table <laughs> with the iPad. Okay, with back the iPad. Back to back to back, rapid fire <laughs> questions. Like no time to think, like, what do you think about the current Denver Nuggets? Who's your favorite player? What do you think about their style of basketball? What will you bring to the table? Just How like are you going to be unique? Face every yes, time. different face. So, like, 
remember the names of the people right. that you're talking to, remember their position, and then also think, you know, thoughtfully about what answers you're talking about, but also be ready for the next one because you're not going to have any time to like think through or prepare what's going on. So how'd you think you did? Terrible. I hung up and I was like, there's no way I'm getting this job. Like I was like, there's no way, there's no way that went that well. Called my parents and was like, whoa, that was really tough. I don't think that I got it. But what a good experience for me. I'm a firm believer that, like, no experience is a lost experience. You can learn from everything. You're so wholesome. So, <laughs> no, I really believe that. Even if it's terrible and shitty, it, you can still learn from it. Um, <laughs> it's so funny now because my old boss in game presentation was like, you totally crushed that interview. You blew <laughs> it out of the park. Like, I was like, what? No way. And no way did I do that. That just is not, I didn't feel that way at all. And they were so funny about it. Um, so I did that. And then it was actually really funny. I, they told me they were going to let me know by Friday. And the interview was like Wednesday or Tuesday. And I didn't hear from them on Friday. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, there it is. Didn't get it. And I was like pretty ups. Like I was sad. Like I, I took that one hard. Um, and Sure enough, I get a call on Monday morning being like, hey, we just wanted to take the weekend to decide. Uh, we'd like to offer you the job. And I was like, are you guys kidding me? Like, what are you, way to hold out. I remember the first time I got a job, I'm literally fist pumping on oh the my, other end of the line. Okay, well, here's a great story, too. I was at the gym working out because I was so mad. Like, I was like, I need to go run. I need to go work out. Like, lift some weights or something. And so I was working out, and I'm like, oh, here's the – I saw the Colorado um, – area code and as I'm running like sprinting on the treadmill like oh I'm so mad I didn't get this job <laughs> sprinting on the treadmill I'm like oh here's the I'm sorry but thank you for your time phone call nope it was the job offer and there I was outside and I was jumping for joy <laughs> um so yeah it was I I will remember that moment for all of time it was kind of the moment for me that like everything changed and so when, yeah, I mean, that's like the start of your new yeah. life, right? Yep, it's crazy completely. how those moments, you know, yep. it's just like this thing that happens and then it like starts this whole new chapter yeah. in your life. And, and it's crazy that I can pinpoint it to right. that moment outside Wicker Park Fitness, shout out, Chi town <laughs> me standing on the sidewalk, getting that phone call and being like, yep, this is it. This is the start. And then when do you move to Denver after you get that call? Um, they wanted me, that was probably end of August. They wanted me there by Labor Day. And that was like two weeks. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like I like I'm moving from Chicago back to Minnesota and then over like then to Denver. I need a little bit more time than that. So I ended up, I think, three weeks later um, and I just packed up my little car at the time and my like grandpa's old car drove it from Minnesota the 13 hours in one day to Denver and like didn't bring furniture, didn't bring a bed, didn't bring anything um, other than just what I could pack into the little car. Um, did you have a place lined up? I did. And it was through like a Facebook marketplace, like someone looking, someone who owned a condo looking for someone to like fill a room. And at the time I wasn't really planning on sticking around there for a year. It was just like, Oh, I need a place. This is how it's going to go. Um, but I ended up staying for the full year there and I was shocked at how expensive it is to live in Denver. I don't know yeah, how people do it, especially yeah. Ooh, you should try um, doing it on a blogger budget. Yeah, so I think I was probably close to a blogger budget yeah. with that first job. Splitting rent <laughs> with cockroaches. Yeah, well, yeah. not on your level, but close <laughs> to that, yeah. True poverty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, 
in hindsight, that in arena job, yeah. how close was it to the job description that you read? Like, did you, because sometimes with these games, yeah. there's, there's a difference between, like, sometimes more of the job is actually just being on television. Yes. Or sort of being, you know what I mean? Yes. Than it is actually the content itself. Yeah. No, I not. I thought the job description was pretty spot on to what I actually got to do. And what I loved about Courtside Countdown and that job was it was like my baby. Mm. Like I was the producer. I wrote everything. I scripted my entire show. Um, I went out and shot. I didn't shoot them, but I went out with a shooter and did like all of the features and was at all the community relations events and um, did certain basketball breakdowns and so I had almost full creative control over what I the the content that I was producing, and to me that was invaluable. Like it was, courtside countdown was mine. Right. Granted, like my directors and everything, they helped and gave me ideas and made sure that everything like flowed properly and worked with the show. But um, the fact that I got to plan a show that aired in an NBA arena based on an NBA team. I, I kind of can't believe they gave me that like much from the power. mind of Katie Wingy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially just coming out of grad school. Um, but it also really gave me an opportunity to show what I know right, right from the beginning. And, and cultivate some, like, so now do you feel like when you're in creative meetings or yeah. whatever, do you feel totally. that much more prepared? Totally, yeah. Um, and I am just like a brainstorming human being. Like, I constantly am, like, thinking of ideas and writing them down. I have, like, over a hundred notes in my phone of just mm. random jumbled ideas of things that I would like to do, whether it be basketball job related or life related. Um, but it's being able to, it gives me a lot of credibility too, because it was mine and right. I did everything. And I think that that showed a lot, like there was no one helping me or telling me what stats to talk about or telling me how to break down certain plays. That was all my basketball knowledge. And I think when people realized that, it was like, okay, this girl actually knows what knows she's, what she's about. talking about. Yeah. Like more so than most people do, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that position, though, I should say. Yes. Um, yeah. And so do you ever, okay, uh, is there a point in that process where you're starting to think maybe you're going to get this job? I mean, this job wasn't even technically open it, yet, This right? job didn't exist. It, yeah. That's, um, I guess that's true. Yeah. This job was basically created. Um, there was a part of me that knew a regional network would be my next step. Did I think that it was going to happen this fast? Absolutely not. Did you think it would happen here? I hoped it would. Mm. I didn't know if it would or not. Um, and when you're in this this world, and you know this, you have to be willing to move. Mm -hmm. You can't put too many eggs in one basket and say, I'm only going to stay in this city. If that's the case, you better be damn good at what you do, like the best of the best, or you're probably not going to stay in the industry for very long. Right. Um, so I was willing to, for sure, to move to whatever happened. And I, I really thought that I would be doing Courtside Countdown for one more year, at least. Like, I thought that I would um, really master it, and it would be something that could catapult me on, in the next direction. Um, and it did just a lot sooner, I guess. But I hoped, as, as soon as I met the team, and I was around Coach Malone, and I was exploring Denver and being in Colorado, I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to leave this place. I really don't. It's just too perfect for me. And the people are so great. And I made it a home so fast that it would, it would have been really heartbreaking for me to have to go someplace else. Um, so this, this job kind of organically happened and 
because the way the industry is moving and there are so many different platforms like podcasting, <laughs> like digital, like whatever it might be. Um, there are so many different avenues. You can't have enough creative people or like ideas that are being brought to the table or content that's being produced. So they were looking for somebody who could do all of those things. And because I had done what I did before, they or knew you, I could do that. Yeah. So this position doesn't exist. So do they reach out to you and say, Hey, there's this thing where yeah, we we're try. thinking about doing this. We'd like to get you on board. Um, I, again, like I was planning on sticking here, sticking around anyways and doing courtside count on for another year. Um, and there had been some other opportunities. It's amazing how small this world is once you're in it, especially the NBA. Mm. Like once you have a niche like that and people know you want to work in it, it's, it is truly an NBA media family. Right. Um, so I had been reached out to actually about a couple other positions with other teams uh, that were regional network positions. And I had gone through interview processes with them too and just like was thinking about it and it sounded good and, but I wanted to stay in Denver. I really did. And I didn't know if I would even be the final person on the other side of those interviews. It was just great for me to have that type of experience and um, to even be considered for those types of positions. I was pretty pumped about. Um, but yeah, altitude reached out to me and said, Hey, we think you'd be a really good fit for this. We'd like to get you on board and, and get you over to the TV side full time. And the rest is uh, literally history. Yeah, You're it a trailblazer, is, I guess. my friend, <laughs> yeah. which we'll get to. Uh, <laughs> but my first question, now that we finally arrived at the present, yes, your job, your jobs, plural. What does your workday look like? It's does it, different, is it different every, every day. day. Yeah. Every day, and I love that. I really do. Um, it's n it's nice when, like, I was just on that eleven day road trip. And that's like one of those things where we have a game, we travel that night, we get up the next day, we'll usually meet as just like an altitude team and talk about what we want to do for that game or whatever it might be. We'll go to practice and we'll watch practice and then we have a little bit of time to like explore and hang out. We'll usually go to dinner and um, then we wake up the next day, we have a game and it, it, it's, it depends, like game days are pretty much the same, practice days are almost the same, but it's kind of like the time in between right. when we're home or we're away. Like those, that fluctuates a little bit more. Um, but it's awesome because I could have days where I'm so busy and I have meetings and I'm crazy. Like there's so much planning and going on and it's a game day or whatever it might be. And then there are days like yesterday where I get, or two days ago, whatever day it is, I don't even know, um, <laughs> where I get to go to the mountains. And I just like, that's my off day because I haven't had an off day in a month and I get to ski or snowboard or whatever it might be and just spend the whole day there unplugged. So even though it's really sporadic, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. No, that's kind of the best part. Right? Yeah. But it, it's the best part on the best days and it's the worst part on the worst days. Yeah. When you're like, if I could just have one week that I knew what it was going to look like. Totally. Start yeah, to finish. it is. It's, it's hard to plan anything. And you have to have people in your life that understand your dream and are supportive of that because it's hard to have people who don't understand. That's why they you, will never understand. So you and TJ are my only friends. <laughs> it's like, it's like, do you want to hang out today? You, do, you find yourself hanging out with people in this world, though, because they're the only ones who really get it. A hundred percent. We probably look like crazy people from probably. the outside. In. Yeah. Um, what do you would you say is the hardest part? Travel or do you like the check? Because you're still I love traveling. Yeah. Well, you're young. Give it time. Okay. 
I guess I, <laughs> I was going to say you're young too. No, I'm just saying like, I would imagine that's what people say. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. The city 15 times. Yeah. The, um, the novelty. Wears that's like off. cause cause is like, I've seen it all <laughs> seen it all. I don't need to go and see anything else. Um, most challenging. I mean, honestly, I think it's just a work life balance for me. I love what I do so much. So that's not so hard for me, but it's hard for me because my relationships in my life are so important. Sometimes I feel guilty for not giving them the time that I think that they deserve. Like my friendships and my family, all my family is still in Minnesota and there will be times where my parents will call me even in the middle of the game and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm working. <laughs> I'm, I'm covering the nuggets. That's what I do. Um, and so it, that, that part is really tough for me. And I'm, I've been very fortunate. I have wonderful humans in my life and they deserve the absolute best and so for me it when like I don't get to see them as often as I would like that is that is when the question mark becomes like wow okay I'm so lucky to have them and to have them that are like be supportive of me because they deserve a much better friend (laughs) than what I'm what I'm giving to them so um yeah I would say that just like the the balance balancing it all because this job it is it becomes your life and I love it i i don't want that to seem like a bad thing at all that no, that is what you, i signed up for you seem to value like a very holistic like you yes. like to be active outside of yes. this stuff for sure yes um are you more aware of like you're you work closely with the team and the players yeah. um so do you does that factor into your analysis like are you worried about personal relationships or anything like that hell yeah yeah 100 percent. um there is a certain level of trust with like I'm sitting in practices on the road and so I know basically everything of what they're talking about and, and strategy that's going into into games and who they're talking about going up against and their plan doing that but I would never share that ever that just is not like I'm a part of the team right. as far as they're concerned and I'm concerned right um, I work directly side by side with the team so to me that that is hands down the most important and valued part of my job. I would never do anything to risk that ever. But like even just being, even if it was fair, but being Mm -hmm. critical in your analysis, is that sort of hard to do from your position? Mm, Yes and no. I think that the stuff that I'm able to be critical about, people respect my eye watching the game and being like, she played the game. She knows. She knows what they're trying to do. Right. I'm never or very rarely am I critical from a strategic standpoint. Mm. Um, sometimes, but not usually. It's more of like <laughs> an effort thing. If the effort's not there, that's when it's like, okay, this. I watched you guys work on this. Apply it to the game. Right, right. Like, like I know you should, know. Yeah, this. I know yeah. you know it. I watched you go over it. Like the, there's an easy transition there. But not so much like why is Malone like playing two centers together or whatever? That's not your bag. No, and it just. Who am I to tell right. him what he right. like how to do his job? He doesn't tell me what like how I should be on TV or what right. I should wear or the words that I should say. No, um, it. 
Critical is a really tough word for me. It's more of like, I wonder why they don't try this. Right. Or it's never like, well, they should be doing this because right, right. I know better than everybody else. No, that's never the case. It's more like, I wonder what this lineup would look like. Or if something's not working right, why is it not working right? right. Like, what is, the, what is the actual basketball evidence behind why a certain rotation isn't playing as well together? Or why a, a certain look isn't able to be executed the way that they executed it in practice. It's more of like the X's and O's than it is this person should be doing this. Right, right, right. <laughs> or right. filling into that area, whatever it might be. It's challenging because, you know, I found like when I got here, the first thing you learned once you walked through the doors is that there's like eight more sets of doors that they don't let you in. <laughs> yes. And you get to go yeah. further than I do. But I get to go probably like three doors deeper right. than you. But, but there still, still are, are like three more doors that no one gets to go through. Yeah. And you'll get questions from friends or fans or whatever. And you're like, you know, sometimes the answer is stuff we don't know or maybe stuff I can't tell yeah. you or, you know. But but I always try to remind myself there's probably a good reason why the NBA coach did the thing. Yeah. They usually <laughs> There is so much more to all of this than any of us will ever know. Right. Um, and these are the best of the best. Like, this is the best basketball league in the world. These are the best players in the world. These are the best coaches in the world. Like, if you think that you know more than them, <laughs> you need a reality check. We like, probably you need have a some, job. You need some perspective, my friend, if, if that's the case. Um and I played at a very high level, so there's a certain level of, of respect between us. But no, I'm not – that's not my job. It isn't. It's not my job to, to go and, and break the news or to be in there trying to figure stuff out. My job is to take what I hear from them, take what I see from them, and convey that in a way that informs the fan and is fun and is entertaining and gets you – an, an avenue an opportunity to get to know these guys right. as people and and not just as athletes or whatever it might be it's, right you get to pull that curtain yeah, back a little bit totally more. and that's what i love it's not like i'm not in there trying to to, to steal information or break news nor would i have a job if that were the case right. it is like how do i shed light on the situation and and make it so people understand what's going on right you work with um trying to find the delicate way it's mostly like a bunch of older dudes yes is that you, that's true you spend a lot of time with i them. spend a lot of time with old dudes yeah is that <laughs> is that like i don't want to say challenging but like are like because you're younger and i don't know is it just like hard to sort of spend so much time even socially well that's probably why my biggest challenge i said was work-life balance yeah. because it is yes um it's not a challenge no those guys are great they're like all dads to me yeah like it's amazing um and i love them and they have instantly helped me grow in this new role they've been doing this forever right so they i mean they know the industry they know the game they know tv and that's been super helpful um in a lot of different ways and they're all just fun and quirky and make me laugh on a regular basis it's so funny i feel like i'm teaching them something new about social media every time that i sit down at a table with them the 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 differences in like hipness like when you guys do those polls oh yeah like best candy or best whatever oh, oh yes it's not it's, even close that's that's like a window into just the entire <laughs> relationship i would say um and there are some like Vic wants to learn. He really does. Like, right. he's like, teach me. Like, how do I do this on Instagram? Let's do this. That's so funny. Show me your ways. Like, and he wants to know, and he wants to be hip and happening. And, and like, Marlo and Hastings are just like, yeah, just post it. I'll retweet it or whatever. Right. Like, and Hans just learned how to tweet, like, right. a week ago. And his first tweet, he 
freaking signed his name at the bottom of it. I saw that. Like, we are, yes, there is definitely. Like your mom yes. texting you. Yeah. You're like, no, mom, mom I, I, I understand who it's coming from. <laughs> um, no, but they are so great and so good at what they do. And I have been able to learn so much from them. But I also will say this. I think that I have a really good relationship with a lot of the guys on the team because I am one of the only young people. Right. I am one of the people who they know that I get their lifestyle. I get the way that, you know, they, they are attacking this season and, and the way that they speak to each other, the things that they like, their hobbies, all of those types of things. Like, it's not necessarily the easiest thing for them to connect with all the other people that I work with for that reason alone. Um, and that has given me a pathway to tell stories in a way that mm no one else really can so i think that it's made my position even more valuable because i can connect with them a on a basketball level like hey i played in college i'm not just like here to to hang out i know the game really well and but i also like i'm not that i'm not that much older than you guys right i wasn't there like too long ago either so i i get that and they they i think that that's a good perspective for them to have that's like a, a fresh conversation a fresh person to talk to that isn't one of each other right right <laughs> too. it's crazy that there's still so many of these guys are younger than us i yeah it, it blows my mind that these guys are 21 22 yeah. years old especially as i'm looking straight up yeah. with my neck craning well and i think about like what were we doing at age 21 yeah. and 22 <laughs> huh, i'm not okay. gonna say it on this podcast Yeah, i'm not gonna say it on the podcast either and i, I mean i was playing in college but still like it was it's a it's crazy it's, crazy. it's actually hard to a lot from these guys yep. and Jamal's Just, 21. Like, turn the mirror. Yeah, yeah, turn the mirror a little bit. Yeah. Because what were you doing, people? Yeah. At 21, 22, 23, even 24. Yeah, you know, th- that's like the media stuff. Sometimes they'll get, like, Jamal grilled me the other day, and it was fine. But, y- y- you know, you you I learn to, to realize. <laughs> I kind of did, too. <laughs> like, you learn to realize, like, man, he's 21, and, like, every time he goes and plays a game, whether it's a good or a bad game, the second he finishes playing, putting his clothes on literally yes. he turns around and there's a bunch of dorks and we're sticking our mics yep, and that's exactly what it is and like that's hard and, and for some reason we think that we have this right. level of knowledge that we can critique right. what he just did on the court exactly. like what like who, who are you yeah like you guys are gonna actually talk about all the things that i did wrong in that game right okay because i'm 21 years old and i'm averaging 18 points per game <laughs> yes. in the nba so. it's my third fourth year in the nba right. like at this playing at this level like okay no it's crazy okay i didn't want to lead with any of this stuff because frankly you're really good at your job so you transcend you. a lot of the sort of gender stuff sure but there are realities here oh yes and 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 some of it is that you, you are the first analyst female analyst in Correct. altitude history yeah that's awesome it is yeah and I've, it's something i'm very 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 proud of as you should be <laughs> and your pin tweet is from a, a, a spot with altitude and they showed a video clip and it was jenny kavanaugh and, yep. and doris burke shouting you out Do you know the story the story i don't i didn't know they were doing that oh so those tears uh, it, were that was 100 percent real like i thought i it was my very first pregame segment and they introduced me, and I ta- I don't even remember what I was talking about. I think it was probably breaking down something with the Clippers or some sort of story. And they came – I went back to the studio, and it was Vic and Hans. And they said, before we let you go, like, we have one more thing to show you. And at that point, I'm already like, what could this possibly be? And they introduced it by, you know, you're the first female analyst in Denver Nuggets history – 
there are a couple other people who would like to congratulate you on this. Just a couple. Just a, and I was some like, random people. Okay, who is this going to be? And when I saw Jenny and Doris, I, my producer was in my ear being like, don't cry, don't cry. Please don't cry. Keep it together. And I, in my head, I'm like, Katie, keep your shit together right now. Right. You are on TV. This is your first time really being in front of these new Nuggets fans. Like, this is your first introduction. Don't ruin it. Um, but I was, com- that was completely thrown. I had no idea that was coming. Well, if they didn't want you to cry, they should have told you. I know. That's but a lot. It was magical to say the least. Yeah. That was so surreal. It was a moment that I will hold close to my heart forever and ever and ever. And it just is to be even discussed in that company blows my mind. Which is why I wanted to ask you, because I, I think I know you well enough to say, like, you're just showing up and doing your job. You're just going to work every day. Yeah. You're not like, how can I help oh my gosh, no, females not, in sports journalism? No. And I don't want to, I don't want, I want us to get to a point where we don't have to have that conversation. Right, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> Um, but it is one. And so if you had to, cause I'm sure you don't think of yourself in Jenny or Doris territory, uh, but you're well on your way friend. And, and so Thank you. if you did have a piece of advice for a young girl who's trying to, to break into this boys club, what would it be? First and foremost, be yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is advice for really anybody that's trying to get into this world. Because if you're a or to be famous or anything like that, you're doing it for the wrong reasons the wrong and you thing. won't last. Yeah. yeah, you won't. Um, be unapologetically yourself because that genuineness will shine through and you will end up in the right place, in the right fit because of that and you will be so much happier in the long run. I like that. Um, unapologetically. Unapologetically yourself, yeah. Um, the other piece of advice is... And the other the other part of that first before I move on to the next part you can't let quote unquote this boys world change who you are Mm. I see that a lot where either it's on one side of the spectrum where you feel like you need to dress a certain way or you need to say certain things or you need to just be a pretty face or you're on the other side of it where you feel like you need to be a dude or a bro or like for some reason like being feminine makes you less credible. Right. Like, so you need to be a com- like one of the men right. in the group. Yeah, yeah. No, neither. You don't have I to don't be like either of either. those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be you and unapologetically be you because that's when you will be accepted. That's when you will find your voice. And, and really, that's the only way that you will truly be happy in this industry. The other, the other side of that is you have to be fearless. Mm. And go after it. If it's what you want, go after, like you, you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of failing. You can't be afraid of the, the person, the reputation that you're going to have. It, 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 no, you have to, you have to go at it wholeheartedly, dive in head first. Um, and no, it's not going to be easy. It, it never is for something that is truly worth it. But I've never thought of it, like you said, as like, I'm going to be I, that's what that's why I'm doing this right. no is it a part of it absolutely it's one of my favorite things in the world and I get choked up about this when I have like dads with daughters reach out to me on Twitter and be like hey my daughter's here like can you come and say hello oh, like so I dope. love I love oh. having like you as an example for her like yeah. I love that and that's I find so much purpose in that but it's not why you do it no you it, do it because you want to do exactly this. and I I would love to get to a point in this world where this isn't a conversation Right. And this isn't, it's just people doing their jobs. Right. 
Um, but if I can help us get there, if I can help the next generation of girls be fearless and be unapologetically themselves and know that this is more than capable of being achieved, sign me up. I'll oh, sign yeah. on the dotted, dotted line wherever you need me to do that. Um, but by no means did I get, it's so funny you use the word pioneer. Like I'm not here because of just me. Right. No. People like Doris, people like Jenny, people that there have been so many women who have come before me right. that have paved this and gone through so much worse shit than I've gone through just as a woman in this industry. Um, but you now get to help smooth that ground. Exactly. Out yeah. Next, but yeah. there are people who whose dues were paid like in much worse form than what I have. And I don't even feel like I really have to go through anything. Right. It's still weird. Sometimes I'll be in the locker room and I'll look around and I'm the only girl. Which, like, I, I don't think about it all that often, but there are days where I'm like, huh. I am the only woman in this room. I am the only room. woman yeah. in, this, in this room right now. And I, I hope that someday that's not the case for all locker rooms. <laughs> well said. Katie Wingy, dropping knowledge. Wingy with a hearty. Um, before I let you go, yeah. little speed round question type of thing. Of course. About the author. How do you kill time outside of altitude? Is it? In the altitude, in the mountain skiing, yes. am I right? Yes. Um, I love being outside. I love Colorado and everything that it has to offer. Love skiing. Have skied my whole life. I just tried to snowboard a couple of days ago for the <laughs> second time in my life, and I felt like I got hit by a truck mm. yesterday. Still feeling the repercussions of it today. Um, I like to think of myself as an athlete, so I feel like I did pretty well, but still, you're going to fall regardless Like of of if you can catch on pretty quick. Um, so I, I love trying new things and I love hiking and being in the mountains. And when our lives are as busy as they are to be able to drive an hour and be somewhere in what, what feels like the middle of nowhere, best. it is. And your perspective just changes. Mm -hmm. You catch your breath maybe for the first time in a, a week or two. You realize how small this world is. Yes. It's so important to yes. us, but you get out there and, and you're like, it's oh, so man, fun. Like there's so you talk about criticism like this is not open heart surgery we aren't saving lives <laughs> we aren't like ending world hunger we're no. talking about grown men quote unquote almost grown men throwing a ball through a hoop yeah when you say it like that i i just want shame. everybody to remember that like <laughs> i love basketball probably more than most people but you go to the mountains and you're surrounded by all this vast beauty and you're like there's you know more what? at work. The bigger picture I'm stuff doing here. Uh, yeah. I need to make my life more yeah. than just that. And yeah. Um, you have described yourself to me as a Disney person. Oh my God, yes. Best Disney movie, worst Disney movie, in your opinion. Kind of putting you on the spot here. Yeah, that's okay. I have a top five list in my mind <laughs> at pretty much all times. Um, so I'm going to nerd out hard right now. Go for it. Disney or Pixar? Oh They're my different. God. And... We'll just we'll just do that for now. I don't want to get any deeper than that. You answer this question however you <laughs> see. Okay, well, the Disney classics, the best Disney classics, yeah, there we go. Lion King is number one. Fact. You can't argue with that. Fact. That just is the way that it is. Yes. Beauty and the Beast is number two. Okay. What's, in my opinion. What's the one that's got to go? Of the classics? I, I loved it. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I love Disney. How I don't do you, know. Like, I don't like the Hunchback of Notre Dame very much. I watched it like once in yeah, my life. That's a good. I don't even think people remember that. Yeah, that's, one that's of them. not like one of the top ones. I didn't love Snow White. Yeah. 
that was not as far as like Disney princess movies go. That one was not one of my favorites. I loved Cinderella. Love Little Mermaid. Seriously, to cut you off before. Yeah, you just I was gonna say like we could get into Disney soundtracks. We could get into <laughs> Pixar movies because I just want everybody to know Disney is different than Pixar in my mind. So Pixar was not included in that list. If you want to know the Pixar list, you can at me at Twitter, Katie Wingy. Shameless plug. <laughs> okay, if you could live anywhere but Denver, where would you live? Um, other than Colorado, because I would love to live in the mountains, like have a yeah, house in the sorry. mountains. Yeah, sorry. Let me. That's let okay. Me, yeah. I'm from Minnesota, so going home would be awesome. I want to see the whole world, so it's hard for me to pick one place. I love. I lived in Italy for four months in Florence. I love Europe, pretty much every part of it, um, and it's all so different. I love Paris. I love Greece. I love Switzerland. Like I would. Do, I would live. Flex in, on them, any, girl. She's traveled. I have. I yeah. I love traveling. That's how I like to spend my money is traveling. Um, so I I would like to cop out and say like an R V or like yeah. <laughs> an airplane no, so I could just fly answer. around and, yeah. and live in a bunch of different places. Traveling basketball analyst Katie Wingy. <laughs> yes. We'll make it happen. On the move. Uh favorite memory from youth basketball. <sighs> youth. Is a, is there a favorite college memory? Is that one of the you questions? Can, too? Yeah, we can we can open okay. it up to Well, um, Youth, there. Uh, I was seventh or eighth, nah, sixth or seventh grade maybe, and this was when I was just kind of starting to get noticed by the varsity coach um, back home in Minnetonka, Minnesota, and there was a travel tournament that was being played at my future high school, and so all of the current high school players were like working the games, doing the scoreboard, and at that time those girls were my idol. Your, yeah, like that's who sure. I want to be. That's who I want to be around. Um, and the varsity coaches are there watching and like, I, I'm aware of what's going on. And I hit a buzzer beater three to win the game in like seventh, sixth or seventh grade. So like the three was pretty far away at that point. Um, and that one was awesome because it was in front of like high school players. Did and they react? Co- yeah. They I like, mean, they were like yeah. really excited that I made the shot, yeah, yeah. but, um, loved that. My favorite basketball memory of all time is not even on the court though it's my senior year my my senior day at Illinois State because it was like a movie I swear I was the only senior that made it through all four years I came in with three others and they had all transferred or quit or something we'll get into that in a different podcast because (laughs) that's a long story um but my dad is like my favorite person in the world and he's the reason that I got into basketball the way that I did and was so dedicated to it and wanted it so bad. And I like worked out with him all the time. And I have, you know, the cul-de-sac with the basketball hoop and he was my life rebounder and all that stuff. And I just so distinctly remember similar to the way I remember getting the nuggets phone call, walking across the court after my last home game, my senior year with my parents holding their hands, walking to center court. And it was like, a flashback of every from the moment that I picked up a basketball to that moment there in like third grade practicing with my dad him being my coach him like doing travel tournaments going to like being in high school tearing my ACL recovering from tearing my ACL signing to go to play at Illinois State and it was just like this giant rush of emotion and memory and I just remember looking at my dad and he was tearing up and I'm tearing up my mom is already crying like full-blown tears (laughs) and they announced my name and they talked through all of like my accomplishments at Illinois State and 
I like look at my dad and he just, I'm holding his hand and he just raises my arm up. And like that, can, that moment that we shared, I'm like going to cry right now talking about it, is what that type of moment I want for every father-daughter mm. relationship. Because again, he's like my favorite person ever. And I have a picture of that. Like my best, one of my best friends from college somehow managed to capture me holding my dad, like my dad holding my arm up. I've seen that picture. And actually. just, it's, yeah, yeah. And just that encompassed every aspect of my being at that moment. Everything that I had gr- like gone through, grown through, accomplished that, that moment. And I know this is a really long answer for this youth no, basketball question, but um, that is my favorite basketball memory because it basically encompasses everything. I love it. Final question, because we have practice to work. We here. do. Yes, we do have to actually do our jobs. How bitter are you that you lost the media skills oh challenge? My, I can't believe you're bringing this up. I can't believe we're ending on this hour of a note. I trapped this whole pod was just to ask you I that can't, question. Um, I, I, don't, I can't even get words out. I'm already training for next year. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> go to Sloan's Lake pretty often, and I, like, get shots up on a fairly regular basis there. For what it's worth, though, I did okay in the shooting competition. So I, like, held my own there. It was just the, f- the full – I didn't have a great performance from a full package standpoint. Okay. So I really need to up my game in other areas. Conditioning maybe? No, I'm in pretty good shape. It's more – That wasn't a shot. I, wanted I was <laughs> like, okay, thank you for yeah, that. You yeah, you look pretty rough. Um, um – working on that but i think i need better game performance and okay you can only do so many drills you know like you can be a great (laughs) drill player but if you're not (laughs) game mode when the ball gets thrown up then you're never going to be the mvp of the media skills challenge so i think that that's what they based the the trophy giving off of and i did not have the best performance but don't worry it's comeback season baby there's we're in it there's actually slots on the trophy for people's names over the years. I've seen it's absurd. We'll get your name on there. It's going to happen. Katie Wingy, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks this was awesome. Me. You're the best. You're the best. Let's go do our jobs. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks again to Katie for joining me for what was a, another fun conversation. Frankly, all these conversations have been fun, at least for me. I, I know this podcast is a little different, maybe not what everyone's looking for, but I feel like I've been fortunate to have some good guests and, Uh, That's what drives this show if it's going to be a good one. So uh, thank you to Katie. And, you know, I'm really excited for my guest next week. I'm going to go back-to-back weeks here because I missed one last month. I'm going to sit down with Colorado Public Radio's Vic Vela. He just did a a small piece on the Nuggets fandom, budding fandom here in a Broncos town for Public Radio recently. Uh, He has actually a background in sports, though. He used to be a sports anchor back in the day. And... Frankly, his path from there to here to now has been uh, somewhat arduous and rocky, and and he's been pretty open about the ways in which he's he's struggled in his path to recovery uh, in more than one way. So we're gonna get into all of that next week. It should be another really great conversation. If you're liking these shows, make sure you subscribe to the Denver Stiffs channel on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, however you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating because we want to keep doing this thing and uh, those really do help. So we hope you're enjoying all the pods here on the network and I will talk to you guys next week. Let's go Nuggets.